The business dealings of a Washington lobbyist named Jack Abramoff were in the spotlight at a Senate hearing today. Mr. Abramoff is accused of misrepresenting his work to Native American tribes and taking $80 million from them for lobbying work he never did. Among the many things raising eyebrows about Abramoff's activities is that during this same time, he went with House Majority Leader Tom DeLay on trips overseas. Last fall on this program, we aired an investigative report into some of the trips lawmakers take on the tab of outside interest groups. We documented more than 4,800 trips members of Congress took from 2000 to the middle of last year. In all, the travel bill came to $14 million. Many of these trips are funded by charitable, nonprofit organizations. William Kistner of Marketplace and American Radio Works looked into how lobbyists are using many of these nonprofits as yet one more way to push their clients' agendas. There's a simple idea behind the House and Senate ethics rules that govern congressional travel. The trips are supposed to be educational experiences, not lobbying opportunities. Lobbyists aren't allowed to write checks for plane tickets, dinners, and hotel rooms. Our investigation, however, reveals that these professional agenda pushers are exploiting loopholes. They're making tax-deductible donations to charitable nonprofit organizations. Norman Ornstein is with the American Enterprise Institute, a conservative think tank. Lobbying organizations have found ways, sometimes baldly by directly financing trips, other times by channeling or laundering the money through nonprofits to get members of Congress to places they want them to visit, but also so that they can have large amounts of uninterrupted time on their own with those members. These practices appear to be widespread. At least 123 registered lobbyists sat on the boards of 67 charitable nonprofits which sponsor congressional trips. That's according to a new study from the Center for Public Integrity in association with Marketplace, American Radio Works, and the Medill News Service. Between January 2000 and mid-2004, the group spent a combined total of more than $4 million on at least 850 trips. In some cases, these organizations have been set up expressly to fund congressional travel. Now, the majority of nonprofits do what they claim. They educate the public and put congressional members and staff in touch with experts outside of Washington. The Aspen Institute is the biggest sponsor of congressional travel. And while it has lobbyists on its board, it doesn't allow them to attend, organize, or pay for trips. Former Senator Dick Clark has run the Institute's travel program for 20 years. Uh, I think having lobbyists in any way involved in these trips, either paying for them directly or indirectly, I mean, it seems to me that that really compromises a member of Congress if that happens. Clark's philosophy isn't shared by every group. The Ripon Educational Fund is another top travel sponsor. Six of its nine board members are registered lobbyists. The group allows lobbyists to help pay for and attend a policy conference held in Europe every year. For last year's conference in Hungary, the fund covered over $80,000 in travel, food, and lodging expenses for nine congressmen and their wives. I've always been a, a huge believer in congressional travel because I don't believe you can be the leader of the world unless you know what's out in the world. Former Congressman Bill Frenzel sat on the board of the Ripon Educational Fund. He also served on the board of the Ripon Society, a moderate Republican group that created the fund to promote travel. He denies that lobbyists attend these trips just to ply their trade with powerful members of Congress. I don't want to put down the idea and say, no, no uh, business discussions ever took place, because I'm sure they did. On the other hand, these uh, are pretty high-class people. They have lots of opportunities to lobby in Washington. 
So uh, we didn't feel uh, that uh, we were corrupting anybody. Frenzel says one of the key organizers of the Ripon Fund's trips is a business consultant, lobbyist, and longtime Ripon board member named Richard Kessler. Kessler's relationship with the tobacco company Philip Morris offers a window into how some of these nonprofits have become another tool for professional lobbyists. In 1999, the company wasn't on Kessler's long list of clients, at least not yet. That winter, Kessler had a conversation with a Philip Morris lobbyist. In addition to years of experience lobbying for big corporate clients in pharmaceuticals, energy, and other industries, Kessler had another thing to offer the company. Here, an actor reads from an internal memo obtained by Marketplace that describes the conversation. In it, the initials PM refer to Philip Morris. Discussed PM's sponsorship with Rick Kessler of the Ripon Society and how PM can get more bang for our bucks. Good exchange with Kessler. Promising ideas. Two years later, Richard Kessler's lobbying firm began working for Philip Morris. In 2001, Kessler wrote to the company's chief lobbyist about ways to win over the support of moderate Republicans in Congress. Kessler writes that one way is to, quote, interest outside moderate organization, e.g. Main Street or Ripon, end quote. Getting Ripon interested probably wasn't hard. At the time, Kessler was a board member of the Ripon Educational Fund and vice president of the Ripon Society. Records show that Philip Morris, now called Altria, paid Kessler's firm more than $700,000 to lobby Congress while Kessler served on the boards of either the Fund or the Ripon Society. It's difficult to know how many bucks Philip Morris gave to Ripon or what kind of bang they got out of it. Tax laws don't require charitable nonprofits to reveal who their donors are. Richard Kessler did not return repeated phone calls or a written request for an interview for this story. Rick Cohen directs the National Committee for Responsive Philanthropy, a nonprofit public interest group in Washington. I think with uh, Congress people who are beneficiaries of the support that goes for their trips to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars over a multi-year period, the public really ought to know uh, where that money is coming from, who's providing that, and there should be some change in the kind of disclosure that occurs when there's a beneficiary who happens to have congressman or congresswoman in front of their name. Not all agree more disclosure is necessary. Jan Barron is a campaign finance expert and a lawyer who represents business groups. Private organizations uh, presumably do still have some right to uh, a measure of privacy. I I'm not sure that allowing an organization to uh, sponsor legitimate educational events and invite congressmen or senators, uh, the price of doing so should be, well, you have to disclose everything about your private internal workings. Last fall, Marketplace spoke with the chair of the Ripon Educational Fund. At the time, he said the fund would consider making more information about its trips public. Nine months later, the fund, like dozens of other nonprofit travel sponsors, remains a financial black box that the public can't look into. The fund has put off its annual summer European conference while it evaluates its policies. Meanwhile, a bill to put further restrictions on lobbyists who go on congressional trips was introduced in the House last month. In Washington, I'm William Kistner for Marketplace and American Radio Works. Our report was produced with support from The Economist magazine. There is more about who's paying to fly your congresspeople around on our website, marketplace.org.